With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Drivers, start your My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about this past weekend in racing and preview next week. Joining me in the studio, I have Luis Torres and Richard Uden. What's up, fellas? Hey, how's it going? It's going going pretty well. Going, going pretty well. So uh, so who uh, who picked Chris Busher for Bristol? I, I we wasn't on my radar. I think I said Chase Elliott because I didn't have yeah. confidence in Ryan Blaney. Yep, yep. So uh, interesting Bristol race. So this is, uh, I believe, the first time that that an entire round uh, of the playoffs have been won by non-playoff drivers. Uh, so you have not non-playoff drivers going three for three right there uh, between uh, Bubba Wallace, Eric Jones, and uh, then Chris Busher this week. And for Chris Busher with the you know the uh, RFK. Uh, racing team definitely a good boost for those guys. Those guys started out strong at Daytona in the in the qualifying races, but since then they've had a really really tough season. So uh, uh, you know it's really really good for that that whole group. It's been a while since the Roush guys have uh, won a race, hadn't it been, Louise? It's been since Ricky Stenhouse Jr. back in 2017 when he won those two races at Talladega yeah, and Daytona. Yeah. Ran, yeah, won the play race. Yeah, so yeah, so it's been it's been a hot minute, and uh, Brad Keselowski being the new uh, owner there. Brad also a big fan of uh, Chris Busher. You know, he wanted, one of the first things he wanted to do was make sure he kept him on that team, and then uh, so Busher certainly proving his worth, having a good run today, uh, where a lot of guys, a lot of guys ran into some trouble. We saw a number of flat right front tires uh, on Ford cars. Mainly um, we saw Ryan Blaney lose a tire in the pits and then have it roll all the way down pit road. We saw a couple of the Toyota cars struggling with uh, power steering issues that, that put both the 23 XI guys out um, and Kyle Bush lost an engine. So um, at the end of the day, the eliminated <laughs> the elimination Look like uh, some pretty bad news for Richard Childress Racing because uh, both of his cars this year were eliminated, uh, being uh, Dylan and um, uh, Tyler Reddick, uh, one of my championship four picks. Yep, Tyler yeah. Reddick, and then then the guy they've signed for next year, Kyle Busch, was also eliminated. So, you know, pretty pretty tough time for those guys, but probably the toughest time of all. Uh, the other guy eliminated Kevin Harvick just could not get anything going um, in this round of playoffs um, had a decent race going at Bristol had a horrible pit stop that put him well behind. And uh, he just could not make up the points. You know, you figure he was pretty well out of the points. He had to, you know, gain those points, not only, you know, just gain those points. We had to gain those points on the four guys ahead of him. So it was a tall order going in. It was pretty much a must win, but it didn't work out for Harvick. So you've got two former champions um, out of the playoff early. Yeah, past, present, and future RCO drivers are all up. Of course, Harvick drove for them from 01 to 2013. But for Bush and Harvick in particular, it's reliability has just kind of really hurt them horrendously. Just when you thought Harvick was on the rise with those wins late in the regular season, He's not even going to be anywhere close competing for the championship again. For Kyle Busch, who's in his last year, that maybe he want to end his tenure on a positive note. Won't happen because they're de- they're done for. And I think 
and the same for Reddick. Well, like I mentioned, he was one of my four drivers that I had in my championship for, as I had Harvick as well. So it's for my bracket, it's pretty much dead in the water at this point. But yeah, it's like, don't, don't pick look. any lottery numbers this weekend, Willie. Don't <laughs> pick any lottery numbers. No, I'm just gonna go. Re- not right now. I'm just gonna rely on the Mariners. Hopefully, they clinch on my birthday instead of the day before. All right, so s- save that yeah. for the save that for, <laughs> save that for our baseball podcast. <laughs> so uh, anyway, though, so this is the first run with the Gen Seven car on the traditional Bristol. We did run Bristol earlier in the season as a dirt right. Uh, dirt track. So this is the first time we got to look at the cars uh, on Bristol, and re- re- reviews are pretty mixed. A lot of a lot of the guys said it was just nearly impossible to pass, um, and and obviously we saw the problems with with the tires, which you know, then again, you know that's generally related to uh, you know Goodyear making their recommendations, and then the crew chief saying, yeah, whatever, um, we'll do what, you know we'll do what we want to do. Um, but it was kind of odd to see uh, that that same type failure uh, over and over. I, th- I think all three of the three of the Penske cars all had kind of the same failure there, and and handed to Austin Sindrick, right? Who had I think at least three cut tires and a couple of long pit stops for repairs, seven laps down, squeaks through the round and makes it into the next round of the playoffs. Uh, you know what I mean? That's a, it's a combination of other people's bad luck uh, and his own luck being not quite as bad. But golly, that uh, that kid just snuck through. Yeah, he's going to be on the hot seat for this round because you have you have talent. You have Texas Talladega in the Robo. Cindric showed what he was able to do. He did quite well in the All-Star race. We'll see how that will translate for a much longer race. Then you have Talladega where super speedways, anybody can be in it. And then the Robo. So with him still in this round, I say keep an eye on Cindric being a guy that will make it to the next round with these. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're talking the super speedway race. You know, he's won at Daytona. Um, he's obviously he's a very skilled road racer. Uh, so, so the Roval plot plays in the hand, his hands well. Yeah. So, but um, of, of the rest of the guys, though, there's nobody really standing out as uh, you know, just really dominating this thing you know we've got no. uh yeah you know we've got uh just kind of a mixed bag of different folks at the top every week and again you know none of the playoff drivers have have won in the playoff yet uh, you gotta admit christopher bell's been fairly consistent um yeah you know the um chase elliott is uh started at the top and dropped down from from there so he's not been uh, setting the world on fire um yeah so it's uh this is really anybody's uh, game right now. It's pretty wide open, but I feel like this round could set the tone for the rest of the playoffs. I don't. I think guys for Chase Elliott, he's in a similar spot with Austin Cindric, where can't quite cut him out on any given race. But then there's Joey Logano quietly knocking on the door once more in these play early on in this playoffs that where not many people are expecting much of him, but. That's where he's at is probably absolute dangerous behind the wheel because, as you saw in 2019, the year with the big three, nobody said Logano was going to amount to much. No, 2018. Cobbush was 19. 2018, nobody saw much of Logano, and then boom, he went on to win the championship. I feel like history is kind of repeating itself, but time will tell. Yeah, I think another guy that's been pretty good through through all three of these races is uh, Denny Hamlin. Is this another guy you're going to need to watch out for? He's because he's a pretty versatile driver and he's, you know, he kept himself, you know, he's not at the top. He's not near the bottom. He's, he's kind of right where he needs to be to get through the next couple of rounds. So now, Richard, I did have a technical question for you since you've, oh, okay. worked, since you've worked on these NASCAR cars here. So yep. we saw where the, the cars had the power steering failures <laughs> there. And then the, um, some of, uh, after the two uh, 23XI cars went out, uh, we heard um, Denny Hamlin's crew chief telling him to try to not load the steering. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but then our race commentator said, there's no way to not load the steering. But would you please explain to me how you would not load the steering? Yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's not as easy as it sounds really. Um, I mean, you obviously, depending on your driving style, um you know, has has a huge bearing on on, on every aspect of the car's behaviour. But uh, 
I think what he's referring to when he determines to load the steering is is how you lean on the car and, and almost slide the car through the corners. When you do that, you, you do put excessive load through the steering system uh, and, and many other parts of the car, but he, they are fundamentally designed to do that. Um, and the exact failure, I, obviously, I don't know what caused these failures, but um, <coughs> they're, they're typically belt-driven systems, and each manufacturer does it differently in terms of the, you know, you, you know, goodness me, you can't really see it these days when you open the uh, the hood of your car, but, uh, you know, back in the day, you used to be able to sit there and see your pulley arrangement and all your uh, all your belts and everything. Yeah, the, the, yeah, big old serpentine belt there, yep. Yeah, you know, to have your alternator, your oil pump, your water pump, your power steering pump, all those sort of things all connected to, um, you know, and you have the tensioning belts and all this sort of stuff. And, and and what you'll have is that teams will sort of play with the tensioning belts and trying to get them as tight as possible uh, to reduce energy losses within there to make them as efficient as possible. And, you know, they, they, they've probably got a number which they're like, okay, this is the, you know, the tension we can put in the belt um, and, and this is the loading that we're going to put through it. And it may be that obviously they're all from the same engine. You know, they they all have the same uh, strategy, if you like, for um, you know, how those belts are run, and they all may run to the same tension. And they may just be a little bit concerned that uh, they're, they're they're putting too much stress through that uh, pulley mechanism uh, and potentially damaging the belt there. Um, and of course, that could have, you know, that that belt control. You know, if you lose that belt, then you have a plethora of issues going on that. Uh, you know, may manifest itself in the power steering. It may manifest in the water, oil pressures, temperatures, whatever it may be. So it's as you know, voltages as the battery fails. So it, it's a it's a pretty um, key piece of equipment in there. But uh, yeah, they're probably just trying to avoid overstressing these parts on the car and not. So when you turn into the corner, sort of be a little bit slower into the corner. You can obviously let the car have its head and let it drive out of the corner because you're not really putting much load through the steering there, but uh, definitely under braking, try not to steer and brake at the same time sort of thing. That'll give the, the, the steering system a little bit of a rest from some of those excessive loads. Okay. Yeah. So which obviously not the best thing for your lap times, uh, you know, slow. It's not a slowing. huge thing. It's not a, it's it's not a, you're not a huge thing. Yeah. But at the same time, if, it's if your alternative is to you know end up in the garage with the with the broken steering, uh, yeah. yeah, go ahead and. Uh... <laughs> but you're saying that it's one of those things that you often see when like, you know, single seater drivers, especially like you know the IndyCar guys and some of the F1 guys are told to like lift and coast and stay fuel. A lot of them go faster because they're actually bringing the car into a more natural operating window for its performance rather than how the driver is actually driving it themselves. Ah, yes, I understand. All right, so uh, so again, um, and we haven't seen these type of failures this year on, on this car till we get to Bristol. But then again, Bristol is a bit of a unique track with the combination of the the short lap and the high banks. Um, so it definitely probably puts more of a load on the steering. So that's that's all data everybody can can learn uh, and, and apply to next year. Yeah, go right ahead. Do track surface have a factor into that kind of thing, or is just in general? Because I know Bristol is concrete rather than asphalt like it was 30 years ago. Track surface will have a bigger impact on tyre wear. Yes, you do get a little bit of um, sort of tyre slip and tyre uh, lateral grip rather than longitudinal grip. So, yeah, it, it will have a bit of an impact. Will it impact the actual steering system itself? Possibly, but not. There's probably a a large number of other factors going in there that uh, before you start looking at that level of detail in terms of trying to analyze these failures, I'd imagine. Gotcha. All right. So the next is the next race, Texas. Yep. Texas yep. motor yep. speedway. The so one my, point uh, race. The, the one points, the one points race on the calendar for the track. Right. Cause they did the all-star race. Yeah. Now my understanding is they're supposed to put, that damn sealer on the track again before the race, which mm -hmm. is going to uh, wreck the IndyCar race in March. <laughs> you know, <laughs> again, I, I, again, I hate, I hate to, hate, <laughs> to, hate to say that, but that's as soon as I read that, I'm like, oh lord, we're going to have another shitty IndyCar race in the <laughs> in the spring. Well, uh, so well, it's time to prep a bonus practice session. Let's 
get willpower to tell IndyCar about, about it once more. See, because I felt like that made a difference last time around for IndyCar. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Spring training is right around the corner. So come for the games and have a ball in Arizona. With world-class resorts, unbeatable dining and nightlife, amazing scenery, and endless outdoor adventure. Make your visit unforgettable. Plan your getaway at myspringtraining.com. And I and I applaud that IndyCar are keeping Texas Motor Speedway on the calendar, which is interesting. How that it was a track announcement before IndyCar had officially released and yet to be released official calendar, mind you. But it's good to see Texas back for IndyCar. Just curious, what do they do about it when they when that time comes along in the spring? Because I feel like they're going to have to add another practice session. Everybody on. Yeah, I mean, oh. the, the, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say we did that at Texas and at Iowa with the extra, yeah. right? No, it was a gateway. Uh, I think it might have been gateway because Iowa had a double header. Right, right, right. So everything was in scrambles as far as the scheduling is concerned, due to its force of nature having a double header. Yep. All right. Wait, yeah, now, I mean, they've got to do that though. I mean, they've got to. They got to. You know, it, it's a necessary evil. Really, tracks like this have to accommodate. Both an IndyCar race and a NASCAR race, just to to keep afloat. So you, you know, it's a necessary evil that you're going to have to go through these, uh, um, you know, having to sort of you know run extra practice sessions just to clean the track surface or get the track surface more in your tire compounds operating window, comparing a, a stock car to an IndyCar. Right, and that that race coming up at Texas in the spring as well is going to be. The uh, IndyCars will be running in conjunction with the uh, NASCAR Truck Series, which was a, a common occurrence in the like uh, late '90s, early 2000s, the early IRL. They they would well, often. That was my first ever exposure to NASCAR. It was actually 2010 at Kansas when the IndyCar was the undercard to the Truck Series. Yes. Yes. And that's where I met well, my, my wife, ironically. There you go. <laughs> there you go. There you yeah. go. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, the trucks and the, and, and yeah, you always seem to, to bring this up or somebody will bring this up that the, you know, the, the, the issue is that the Goodyear and Firestone rubbers don't necessarily play well with one another when they're all on the track at once. So uh, we'll just have to see how that, uh, that plays out for the IndyCar guys uh, coming up when they, when they race there. Um, you know, early next season. So, but the NASCAR's got their schedule out. Um, Formula One has announced their schedule for next year, uh, which includes the, the Vegas race, which is going to be a four-day event with the Saturday night race. So that looks like there's going to be jam-packed with activity. Uh, NASCAR will be moving its All-Star race to North Wilkesboro, mm -hmm. uh, which will be interesting to see. I, I still. I've not been down there in years, but uh, I mean, they lacked the infrastructure then uh, for the crowds that they got back, you know, back in the in the 90s and stuff. But uh, I, I don't know what's different, what's changed. Um, but, um, you know, we'll just have to, have to all see. we know. All I know is going to be one hot ticket. Whatever oh, yeah. time it's going to be one hot ticket and a tough one, probably to accommodate. Oh, yeah. Well, because, well, like always, the All-Star the all -Star race clashes with Indy 500 qualifying weekend, so time will tell which one I'll have to go with. Because this is like, like you talk about Necessary Evil, that's kind of my Necessary Evil, is which one would I go? Do I go cover Wilkesboro in its return that has the truck race on, on the undercard? Or see Indy 500 qualifying pending if Kyle Busch, somebody wants to pick up Kyle Busch for what? for the 500 and there was a little news on that evidently uh, a guy named sam schmidt who's uh you know aligned with uh mclaren 
um, has uh, made, made a public comment that said, yeah, I wouldn't mind right, you know, run a Kyle Bush. Who's got his phone number. Uh, yeah. So, so I don't know how, think- how serious he was with the, who's got his phone number. Uh, but uh, certainly, you know, McLaren is not beyond adding an extra car for the 500, although they are, although they are planning to expand to three cars full time. So will they want to add a fourth is, is really, um, it's, it's a tall order when they're just now expanding to three, but, uh, you know, we've seen it before. We've seen the Foyt guys run four cars, um, at the speedway, at, you know, with very limited resources. So, yeah. Um, so that'd be interesting to tell, but to go back to the scheduling, little side, little tidbits. Well, as far as, of course you have Chicago, but time will tell the Chicago one will be materialized with the ongoing drama behind the scenes with the city of what to, how they're going to handle it also that it's confirmed that road america won't be on the cup calendar the truck series will not be returned to sonoma instead there'll be the xfinity series which probably all but tell who knows how the car count for arca what's going to be now with xfinity going down there which is the week after portland so they got back-to-back road courses and, and mind you we have eight road courses in the xfinity series i know some people are like throwing a tirade a little bit about like there's too many road courses in Xfinity. If you say that, then I don't have an issue with it, to be honest. There's some people it's like, is it going to put a huge strain going from Portland to Sonoma? If memory serves correctly, then they head to Nashville after. So I feel like if they want to make it fun for the Xfinity road course, you have a little bonus event kind of like similar with the dash for cash or what IndyCar ha- has like you keep track who's collected most points on road courses and you get a bonus prize money out of it or something like that I think it would be neat for them yeah I mean I, you know you know me I have no issue with road racing I, I grew up watching road racing yeah was, I don't like, either yeah it was later in life I started to watch ovals you know so, but uh, yeah, but I, I, I actually think the Xfinity guys put on a good show. It's uh, all the road races. I always enjoy them. They're always fun to watch, uh, you know, especially when we're doing things like picking up Sargento banners and dragging them around the track. So and it worked out for Josh Malicki quite well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got him a, got him a sponsorship deal out of that. So that was pretty fun. So, but um, in other news, right. So, oh, okay. Well, do we want to, we want to go ahead and. Talk about Texas real quick before we move on to uh, other topics. I think we can wrap up Texas since we kind of dove into from a little bit of the IndyCar along the way. But as I think for Texas, I'm, all we can ask for is hopefully it's a much better show because everybody has been up in arms at the worst race of the year all across the board. Many will say the All-Star race. As, other than Martinsville, many will probably say the All-Star race is probably the second worst race of the whole calendar season. So be curious what kind of show they're going to put on when it's a full race distance. Well, who do you like for the race win? Again, this was, this, I was, think, this this has been hard to pick this first playoff round. Yeah, I still think you look no further than Penske. I think this is the one where Ryan Blaney is going to break the modern era record for most different winners in the season. In spite of not having his crew chief, Jonathan Hassler, as you mentioned earlier with the tire problems. Right, he's, I believe he's got a four race suspension. If if I uh, if I read yep. that correctly, yeah. So uh, and three other guys also suspended for at least one race with them. But I mean that was that was pretty blatant mistake there uh, on their part. That that tire rolled all the way down pit road, so it was not just an uncontrolled tire, but it just just totally got out of their got out of their hands there. So, but so you like Blaney? I like uh, you know I want to say we are probably going to have another non-chase winner and another new winner this year because i'm going to go with martin truex uh who, who finally gets something going this season you know and since say that uh, truex wins a race uh and and you know uh he continues to the, the non um playoff guys winning so and richard elop stain right yeah cool. yeah so uh yeah. Little irrelevant factoid of uh, of what if factoid for Truex. If Truex actually did make the playoffs to win the championship, he would have forty points in a super license. Actually, no. I had to double check on that. He would have been the closest one than Chase Elliott on that. Um, because he okay. So you you the super license that you get your last three years, except. Four years now. It's four years if one of those years is 2020, right? Yeah. So so we're still in that window. 
So, but yeah. you get you get your three best results out of the last four years, right? Mm-hmm. And right. and uh, nobody uh, on the cup side will get it. Yeah, I was afterwards. gonna say, doesn't it? Doesn't a cup only pay like fifteen? Yeah, for, 15. for a cup champ. Yeah, yeah. So. And the top eight only get points out of so. For Chase Elliott, he'll be even if he wins the championship, he'll be two. I think what, what I had a two to three points shy. If Truex made the playoffs and win the championship, he would have been much closer or actually meet the quota had he made the playoffs and win the championship. But we'll never know now. Well, this here's the thing though. I haven't heard of any Formula One teams looking at Martin Truex. No, I know. So, so yeah. So I guess he doesn't really need a super license. No, I know. Nobody thinks about that. That's why I said. That's why I said a little. What if? Fun, fun fact because yeah yeah, kinda, yeah one thing that that I didn't get a chance to talk about last time around is the fact that the Colton Herd uh, Red Bull thing kind of kind of mellowed out now yeah I think that deal is dead in the water uh, the FIA is not going to approve his uh, um, anything on a super license which has brought up a lot of conversation about the super license and the fact that it is so slanted heavily towards FIA sanctioned events. Um, will anything change because of that? I don't know, but you've got a lot of different uh, people saying that it needs to, including, you know, guys like uh, Zach Brown, you know, and um, um, Helmut Marco or, or, you know, really feel that that needs to change. So, um, well, because they're, they're bound to say that because they're all the got vested interest in the deal. It, yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'm sure they turn around and say, no, no, no it's fine as it is. So, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, I guess it depends on who you want in there, but uh, yeah, but but I I believe they need to take a look at. It. I think I think IndyCar is weighted a little uh, a little less than than it should be. Uh, you know, I I you know, Colton heard of. I mean, he needs to do better than finish seventh and eighth and tenth in the championship. Yeah, uh, finish for, the for top one. Five yeah, next year or yeah. fifth or better. No, no, no exceptions for twenty twenty three. And it boils out if he really wants to. Yeah, well. He's, well, he's going to lose one of his uh, one of those. Will, one of his will drop off. I think his seventh place. Will, well, the tenth place should drop off. Well, no, because it's three in the last it's, four, isn't it? Yeah, we got so twenty twenty was his top was his best point season. So that's the one that's the big circle. Well, yeah, but yeah, start next year. You're just the last three because the twenty twenty mm-hmm. exemption is gone, man. So you're talking so twenty one, twenty two, twenty three. Yeah. Yeah, because the 2020 exemption will be over. 2020 will be four years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, that was course, yeah, that, that, that went fast. So, but uh, but the Alex Palou contract drama is now settled, um, and McLaren officially drivers will be Felix Rosenqvist, um, Pato Award, and um, Alexander Rossi. Uh, Palou will be returning to Ganassi Racing, and everybody seems pretty pleased as is. But I did uh, uncover. Uh, interesting little tidbit about Felix Rosenqvist uh, uh, that that happened about the time um, that uh, McLaren started looking at Palou. Um, and and this was a, a tidbit. It came from Marshall Pruitt, and he was uh, he was on somebody's podcast discussing um, his little stream of consciousness fever dream article. Uh, and he said there was a whole bit he left out because it was just, the article was too long as it was, but, but, uh, the gist of it was that at, at one point in time, Felix asked if he could move to formula E reason being, uh, you know, his, his steady girlfriend, uh, who's, you know, also from Europe, uh, really missed living in Monaco and, and being based over there. And she wasn't happy living in the States and, you know, in, you know, trying to keep her happy. He thought maybe if he would return to racing in Europe, uh, but then somewhere in between there, uh, the two of them broke up and Felix said, you know, I really do like the IndyCar series more than I like that girl. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, so I was, was uh, going to, I was going to briefly say, so well, He's thinking big picture here, and then you measure breaking out. I was like, "Well, then, take that, but take back what I was thinking of." But no, that that is interesting. You don't really see much of that. I mean, the big thing right now, the big drama is about Giselle and Tom Brady about about relationships and all of that. Where do you put? Where do you stand the line? It seems like Rosie was was going to put think about relationship first, but now they're no longer together. I guess so. That now is up to him now. 
Yeah, yeah, and then he, you know, and so that which is probably why when Felix said no, I would like to stay in the IndyCar team, why they kind of cooled on the whole Palou deal, and uh, and just let that work itself out where he ends up being nasty. Um, he still got a testing contract, uh, Formula One testing uh, deal with McLaren. He, matter of fact, had a chance to go test the Formula One car, or well, the uh, you know the older Formula One car very recently, and he's tremendously enjoyed that experience so uh you know again mclaren is getting all these all these guys that are contracted to other team between you know colton hurt and alex flew out there testing the formula one cars uh so uh pretty interesting uh what we have shaking on there so yeah at least but, that, uh, yeah at least that mellowed out that that's a huge sigh relief because i'd mentioned when the whole kyle bush to rcr announcement came where they brought him the indy 500 i wasn't too hot with the idea about Bush to McLaren because I said once the Polo thing mellows out if they did fortunately they have Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky Lucky? In line at the deli I guess? Aha in my dentist's office more than once actually Do I have to say? Yes you do In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes Excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky I never win and tell well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Then I'll look into Kyle Busch maybe going to McLaren as a other choice besides Penske as far as the Chevy camp. Right, right. Like I said, I'll, I'll die on the hill that Penske doesn't enter a fourth car at the 500. But yeah, we, uh, but yeah. who knows? They they may in fact do that. You, you know, you, you you never know. So uh, yeah. But I think at the end of the day, now silly season seems to be much more calmer. Now now we pretty much know the key pieces of the puzzle, the major ones as far as the top teams, and now they can focus on twenty twenty three. Obviously, we mentioned Herda is to concentrate to get a top five championship year for Polo is to come off st- much stronger he then albeit Polo finished in the top five in points at season's end with the win in Laguna helping him a lot time will tell that third year is going to be crucial for him to see if that 2021 title is is what he's actually capable of because we didn't really see much of that in 2022 because the Penske's were just more more stronger consistent in terms of winning rather than be points collecting yeah, yeah, Penske did win the lion's share of the races uh, this year. Other, other than Indianapolis, they were pretty much in the mix at every single every single event. Other than you know, other than the big one. Uh, so now in uh, on the um, so there's a there's a few open seats uh, that we still uh, you know Foyt's got. Um, I believe they're bringing Dalton Kellett back, uh, but the other car is up in the air, and I would imagine that uh, Linus Lundqvist is maybe on the short list for that because he's got the Indy Light Scholarship. Um, and again, there's there's a couple of decent guys in Europe uh, that, that are maybe on, on somebody's short list. Junkos has a second car. Uh, but uh, I think most of the other things are, are uh, short up here. Um, and there's also- I was going to say Carpenter. Yeah, I think Carpenter's pretty solid. He's re-signed VK. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that... Um, um, Daly's uh, last contract was a multi-year, so I believe Daly's still in the fold. I believe he still has the Bitnile money, uh, you know, until that whole bubble burst. So they yeah. they they seem to be set there. Ganassi's got their lineup set. Um, well, I thought there was talk of uh, Ed Carpenter running a third car. Maybe I'm mistaken on that one. Is you know a car that would be swapped uh, between um, Ed and another driver. So yeah, it, instead of Peretta. Well, he's because yeah, I know he's, they're aligned with them. They're aligned with Peretta. Peretta obviously going to be running um, Simona. Uh, mm-hmm. She's she's uh, she's contracted for them for next year. But yeah, I mean, yeah, Ed has he run a third car just on the ovals this year for himself. But yeah, yeah I, I think he's toying with the idea of running the third car and then of having you know a lot like the situation he did in years past with uh, Mike Conway. Uh, where he and you know, and uh, some of the other guys he had there where he split the seat time, let somebody else do the road course, then he would do the oval. So, I think eventually Ed probably needs to step aside, uh, from yeah. the cockpit and just focus <laughs> on, um, because it, honestly, the results haven't been there the last couple of years for him. No, I mean, he was, a, you know, he was I, a I, sort I, of the, the 
the perennial sort of you know high points, you know, high qualifier at Indy, and never quite got the job done there. And then it was like, yeah, it just never, never sort of materialized, did it? Right. I think his best Indy was in eighteen, where he led a good bulk of the race, but but you know in the closing stages, wheel power was just too much for him, and then you know he ended up with the. A very disappointed second place there, but uh, yeah, but since 18 Carpenter himself hasn't done much. Uh, I mean, his team hasn't been bad. Uh, I mean, VK has won a race uh, daily is daily. He's consistently 18th in the championship. Uh, I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know why shines. People well, love, when it comes love to the 500, so yeah. he shines well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I that's why I mean, when it comes to the Indy 500, I specify just that one race. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, there is a lot of stock put into the Indy 500. So, but let's talk about Daniel Ricardo for a second. We we'll move away from IndyCar and talk about Formula One a little bit. Um, so there's some speculation that came out after the um, Italian Grand Prix that perhaps Ricardo would accept a position as a reserve driver with Mercedes if he can't find a full time seat with somebody else. Richard, have you have you heard this one? Yeah, it's been a little bit of rumours on that one. Obviously, Mercedes have sort of talked quite positively about him, and though you know he deserves a drive and blah blah blah, all these sort of things. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's a little bit um, of a surprise that uh, you know he hasn't been taken up earlier in in one of these roles. And um, yeah, it wouldn't be a good, it wouldn't be a bad move for him. I don't think he would obviously keep him in a top team with a lot of exposure. Um, so yeah, don't, don't quite know what to make of that one really. Yeah. But, uh, but the funny thing is people keep assuming that Hamill can retire at any minute, which, which he could, he could, you know, he could, he, could, yeah. he could, he could pull a Nikki Lauda and just get out of the car and, you know, in Canada <laughs> and say, yeah. I'm, I'm done. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, but I mean, like Lewis really hasn't hinted himself that, that he's going to do that. I think Lewis still has a number of good years yet. I think that after this disappointing season, um, you know, hopefully uh, Mercedes can get their act together a bit better with their car. Uh, and I think Lewis has something to prove. I really feel mm-hmm. that he feels like he's got a little bit of unfinished business, although, you know, he owns nearly every record in Formula One right now. So it's hard to say what unfinished business do you have? But, uh, you know, beating Max straight out in a in a in a fight would be some unfinished business, I could imagine. Yep. No, I. Uh, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think that, uh, you know, everybody's sort of always playing with this sort of like what's what Lewis is going to do. But uh, I think he's gonna, I think Lewis is going to be around for a, a little while longer. I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, I don't see him walking away from the sport, but, I, you know, everybody just like to, you know, heck, who thought uh, Tom Brady was to be around this long? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and, and you know, I, it's just funny how, you know, some guys walk away and, and yep. then, and you know, like, um, you know, like Rosberg just, you know, yep. one, one day he's there, one day he's gone. I said, one championship, see you. You know, but I don't, yep. I don't, I don't think that's, I think Lewis, you know, as, as, you know, outspoken as he is and as flamboyant as he is and how much he loves his lifestyle. I think he's still a true racer at heart and he enjoys being, yep. behind, being behind the wheel. I, I, I firmly believe that in my heart. Yep. No, I totally agree with you on that one. All right. So, uh, so Richard, what do we, what do we have on the, uh, on the Haas side? Are we hearing anything about who, who may go in there to replace, uh, Mick Schumacher? <laughs> I think that- they're, uh, I mean, it does look like Mick's on his way out. Um, it, it looks like they've got, I mean, they're, they're testing with, um, Giovinazzi. At the uh, upcoming um, uh, on a free practice session in the coming weeks, so uh, you know there's obviously some interest there on that end. But uh, yeah, it, oof, yeah, who who knows? Um, you know, it, there's a lot of good drivers out there who probably won't get a look in because of circumstance rather than because they're not good enough. Um, so yeah, I I really don't know. It'd be a shame if they don't get it, but. Um, you know, if you're one of these top drivers, that you know, I mean, uh, if somebody like, excuse me, Daniel Ricciardo would be a great hire for them. But uh, yeah, I just can't see that happening, unfortunately. 
Right. Then, of course, Nick DeVries is suddenly a very hot property. Uh, yeah. He's, he's been he's been linked with the AlphaTauri seat. Is that correct? Yeah. I, I mean, he's, you know, openly. So oh, I don't think he's open. Well, he did say in an interview that, uh, you know, it's, it's great to have all this interest in him, but he's already got a, you know, I think he's saying that he has a, um, a contract signed already for um, next year with a team. And I think the play is going to be that he will end up at uh, AlphaTauri, and that will allow Gasly to um, move on to. Well, you say that you allow Gasly to move on to Alpine, but then you see Christian Horner turning around and saying that, um, you know, that that he, you know, DeVries and Piastri are guys that he wished he'd kept in the Red Bull, or he'd managed to get into the Red Bull camp when he had an opportunity. So it makes you know maybe he's saying that he doesn't have them. I, I don't know. It's it's guy. You know, they're they're doing really good at keeping this one to the chest. Yeah, you know, cars close to the chest on this one. I'll I'll give them that much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but uh, it'd be good. It'd be good to see Nick in a in a, in a full time Formula One ride, even though it may not. Oh, be, he was be phenomenal. The yeah, yeah. I mean, just that one outing in the, in the Williams. There, you're like, wow, this is like, is that a different car? <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, like I say, yeah, Latifi should be very worried. So uh, and plus and, it won't have it won't hurt having another world champion on the grid as well. Because of course the Vries is a Formula E world champion, so that's yeah. where I'm getting across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean it, it you know, it, it gives add weight to the Formula E, you know, series, but whether it's really a um, you know, big big card for them, I I, I don't know. And, and and that's fair, and that's fair too. I don't know how many how many super license points do you get for Formula E championship? You get quite a lot. I was gonna say it's it's say more than NASCAR. It had to be more. It got to be more than NASCAR. Well, sure, yeah, yeah. I was, I was gonna say. Cause, so look, cause, I will tell you right now. All right, Formula yeah. E, thirty points, same as the Formula Three championship, and same as the World Endurance Hypercar Championship. So there you go. So it's it's looked it's looked and, it's looked upon pretty favorably. Yeah, um, and it's actually after. So IndyCar is has more points for first and second, and then from third down, it's the same as IndyCar. So IndyCar is ranked ahead of Formula E in um, super license points, which, uh, which is which is valid. I can understand that for sure because, of, like, I again, I just totally get with Formula Formula Two IndyCar and all those having the forty as your championship number of points for the super license and all that. There's some of them that's like you can weigh a little bit more different. It's just yeah. My my issue with the formula too is you get 40 points for finishing first, second, or third. You know what I mean? The, the same weight is given to mm-hmm. the top three guys yeah. in Formula Two, and that's the only series um, that that has a point structure like that. And obviously, it's it's you know to uh, put weight towards their own feeder series. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, just at the end of the day, you know who's Who's more qualified, you know, the guy that finished second in IndyCar or the guy that finished third in 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 Formula Two? You know what I mean? It's yeah, yeah so but because because both series are, you know, very competitive. <clears throat> so I don't know. Oh, yeah. No, I, don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't make the rules. No, yeah, <laughs> but I, don't, I don't make the meter. Yep. So, uh, any any surprises on the Formula One schedule that was released? Uh, not really. Uh, Spa's in there, which I know there's been a bit of talk about that disappearing. Monaco's in there with a um, uh, a deal through to um, twenty five, right? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. yeah. So that's got another three year contract, which I think, from what I remember, in the past, Monaco's been one of these sort of places that's never had a contract. It's just always been there. So. Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that all plays out. Yeah, for me, it's, of course, Spa, mostly because everybody's bringing up the clash with the 24-hour race, which, of course, the 24-hour race more than likely will have to be rescheduled. <clears throat> and because it's because on the calendar, it has both the Grand Prix and the 24 hours of Le Mans on there. And it's, But to me, it's actually Qatar being back on the calendar, not so much... But the biggest thing for me is that LaSalle is actually the one being the Grand Prix race, not the street circuit, which was like talked about when the the one year they had it. Of course, this year's there's no Qatar Grand Prix because of the World Cup. 
But it's yes, it was always known, wasn't it? That, yeah, that was always back known. There. So I wouldn't say it's a. Um... But I think the talk was because it's, they wanted to have it on the street circuit rather than the MotoGP circuit layout. Uh, yeah, potentially. Uh, I That's know how I remember the, it last year. Yeah, I, I know eventually the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix is going to go to a permanent circuit uh, at some point in the near future. Um, how that development is going, I don't know. Yeah, um, they just need to watch out for the missile strikes and stuff like that. You know yeah, that's uh, a lot of... Um, kind of puts a yeah. damper on the weekend. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of controversy about racing out in in, in Saudi Arabia, you know, fundamentally anyway. So, <laughs> oh, uh, certainly, yeah, yeah. You know, it doesn't have yeah. their cause, I don't think. <laughs> no, no, no. They have they have a litany of issues that is very gl- glaring, like the by the tra- the, the traveling and all that. Of course, when you have Las Vegas and then Abu Dhabi back to back weeks, or and all of that stuff, but. Yeah, I think, be, I think, yes. Yeah. No, they're trying you, to go, like, carbon neutral or something like that by 2030? Yeah, it certainly put highlights there, uh, carbon neutral, um, you know, questions that when they're doing it. I think it was like 130,000 kilometers or something they drive. They fly if you do go, and that's just going from circuit to circuit. That doesn't include going back to the UK or, or where else in Europe you are in between, but... Uh, I mean, that's the same road where I think, uh, as I said, I think we all know about Saudi Arabia's some of their questionable, uh, you know, policies with, that, that have been well documented in other sports over the last few years. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they're going there. Hopefully, you know, they can make a change. They can have an impact on it. But, uh, you know, who knows with that? So let me ask you this, Richard, um, regarding Formula One travel. So, like, when they... So they, they like make a swing through the, the Middle East, right? Got a couple yeah. of races in a row. Do they l- bring the cars back to the shop in between those races or do they kind of leave them on that continent? Or like, you know, when they come over and do Canada and and uh, and uh, Houston, not or um, Coda, not too far. Do they, do they leave the cars over on this continent or do they do they send them back to the shop? Yeah, so so we've had this. So, so take these last three weeks, for example, where you've done you know that triple header back to back. The cars will the the the, the cars will post race will be completely stripped back down to the tub. Engines will be taken off, gearboxes will be taken off, um, and then they'll be shipped in component form to the next race, um, and then they'll be rebuilt at the track. Uh, that could be with a different engine, the same engine, different gearbox. You know, obviously the, there's a lot of variables now with the gearbox rules and engine rules there. Um, and, you know, new bodywork may be flown out, but the fundamental tub of the car will stay uh, with the team uh, as it travels around Europe. And and that was the same way uh, when they travelled around the, the, the um, you know, the Middle East maybe, or when they used to do uh, you know, you used to have like Australia and, um, you know, Malaysia, China, you know, all of those sort of races in the same time period. Again, um, you know, the, t- the the teams and the cars will stay out there. And what some teams did, for example, was if there was two weeks between, say, Australia and Malaysia, which I think used to be the case for a number of years, the first two races of the year, the, the and how should we put the, the big players, you know, the senior management and the... Um, you know, the, the guys that we all hear of, if you like, they will travel back and forth uh, between, you know, the UK and, and um, you know, Australia and Malaysia and places like that. What they would do for a lot of the team members was to reduce their cost of flying people all over the world. It was actually say, OK, you know, you finish in Australia on the Monday evening after you've done the pack up um, because there's not as, much, uh, not as much urgency to get it back on the freight. Uh, and then you're not needed until in Malaysia until the following Tuesday, say for you know to start building the garages and the cars up. So you can either come back, but you've got 24 hours flying in each direction. So in reality, you're only going to get three or four days at home between um, you know between, between the events. Or we'll pay for you to stay out there. We'll pay hotels. We'll pay you know rental cars. We'll pay flights. So. And so guys would take, you know, three or four days off in Australia and maybe, you know, travel around that part of the world a little bit. So there's a lot of logistics going on there. It's a lot different, you know. I mean, in the NASCAR world, some of these drivers are, are home before the race is even finished if they've wrecked early. You know, it's a, it's a very different world. 
Yeah, yeah, it's a much much smaller um, area of geography that NASCAR travels to. Yeah. So now, and as far as the the planes that, that the cars are shipped on, yeah, are, are those just are, a regular DHL transport plane? All right, so they're so they're they're commercial airliners. They're not. Yeah, they they're, not, they're, have, they're not owned by the FIA or the teams no. at all. No, they they may do like a charter flight. Um, you know, which was long enough, and every team has to be responsible for getting their parts to the right look, you know, to typically if it's in the UK, Heathrow, and then all of the UK based teams will ship everything on one plane. And actually, what some of the teams have, um, for um, customs and and the like, they have a, like a shipping manager or something, and he will actually have to go through international shipping. Uh, training courses and they actually have a quarantined area in the factory that is designated like um, the same quarantine they'd have in an airport so it would be a safe area where the uh, shipping pallets are loaded at the uh, factory and then never touched until they get off the plane in Australia or Japan or China or wherever it may be so it's and, and, and this is you know, I remember sort of seeing them and you, you sort of walk near them and, you know, it, it is handled extremely seriously. Um, you know, you cannot, unless you've been authorised, you cannot enter this holding area. And as soon as a part enters there, it, it will not come back out. Um, you know, so so there's a lot of logistics, and a lot of management going on in there. It's, it's pretty fascinating what the, the levels they go to. Very interesting. Yeah, I just... These are things I think about sometimes, but I never think to ask. But uh, <laughs> thank you so much for filling me in. That was a, that was very interesting. So, so where are we off to next in the world of Formula One? Well, we, we're off to Russia this weekend, but we're not. But we're uh, not. So, we're, so yeah, that's right. So we've got another another weekend off. Yeah. So Singapore the following weekend, the first weekend in October, we're up in Singapore. Yep, the birthday weekend where Max could be a two-time world champion. Could yeah. be. Yeah. He certainly, he certainly can sew it up. Yep. I saw a number where Max could actually beat Ferrari in the championship this year. <laughs> Max himself on points. Yeah, he's not that far behind Ferrari's total. Oh, poor, yeah. for, poor Ferrari. Well, they got no one to blame but themselves, honestly. Exactly. Uh, yeah, well, I'll tell yeah. you so. And it's God, it's been a long drought for Ferrari, but they keep they keep showing these flashes of brilliance every now and again. You know, they're never too too far out. You know, they're, no. they're, they're never back markers, you know, but they're but they're just they're, they're missing, missing that little extra, you know. Yeah. I mean, you go back in Austria, which was only middle of July and, you know, they were really impressive in Austria. Then Leclerc was leading in, in Paul Ricard at the end of July and should have won that race, but, you know, threw it away. Um, and then he's just been Max dominating, you know, Hungary and um you know, in the Netherlands and Hungary and, Monday, Hungary and know, everything just, after, yeah, yeah, you know, it's I been think, been impressive. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, so we've got about oh ten minutes left. So, uh, Louise, what's happening in the world of playoffs for Xfinities and trucks? Because we really haven't devoted a lot of time to talking about the the guys involved in those championships. They are in their championship season as well. We did yeah. see uh, AJ Allmendinger did win the uh, uh, regular season Xfinity title. Yeah, he locked that up. But the the man who's been on a roll is Noah Gregson, who's won the last three straight races at, at including last last Friday at Bristol, where he's I think memory serves correctly, he has more playoff points going into. He's the number one seed as a result. He's already had more wins than Almondinger, and I think he's already eclipsed Ty, Ty again, so he's been on a hot roll as of late. Time will tell if that will translate into a strong championship run in the postseason. Because as you mentioned, Almondinger won. Since the implementation of a regular season championship, nobody in the Xfinity Series has won it yet. No. Take that back. That was the Truck Series. We'll talk about that shortly. Because I remember Austin Sindrick was both regular season champion and won the, the whole thing at season's end. Same with Tyler Reddick the year prior, 2019. But yeah, Jeremy Clements, who won at Daytona, who in the, who won and then a few days later lost his playoff berth because they found something wrong with the car post-race and then 30 R&D stuff. Because obviously the, the win stood, but they penalized him a couple couple days after. 
that reinstated his playoff eligibility win from Daytona, so he got in. Shelvin Creed. So when 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 they reinstated him, did they knock somebody else out, or did they add an extra guy to playoff like they did with Gordon? No, no. It put guys like Landon Castle, Sheldon Creed, and Ryan Sieg in the hot in the on the hot seat. And in the end, it was Ryan Sieg who made, got the final spot over Landon Castle and Sheldon Creed. Mind you, Sheldon Creed has had an abysmal year in the sense of luck. He's had strong cars, but luck has been non-existent for Sheldon Creed compared to Austin Hill in the RCR camp. And as for trucks, they have. Two more, two more races before the championship four. That's Talladega and Martinsville. We already know one driver that's going to go for the championship four. That is Ty Majeski, who finally got a NASCAR win on a national touring level. It's no secret that Majeski, one of the guys who came from the iRacing pipeline, that's actually turned himself to one of the top tier super late model drivers in the country. Who's won the big ones all around, all around the United States. Finally got a win on the national level after. And, and like guys like Austin Cindric and Chase Briscoe before him, they infamously drove the 60 car in Xfinity. They co- they shared the ride. And out of the three, Majeski looked like the odd man out. And compared to Briscoe and Cindric, rather semi-unproven in the sense of he hadn't had like a reputation of, oh, this guy has it. Majeski driving super lane models, winning all the big ones that really bolstered him to be a top caliber driver. And I said at the beginning of the year that the moment Majeski got that full-time deal with Sourcebore, he's got to win, period. Lo and behold, he finally wins one at Bristol, which led to kind of one of the most ridiculous reasons to be mad about a driver winning. It's when they didn't do a burnout. Mind you, Majeski's from Wisconsin, A. B is Bristol, which is synonymous to Alan Kowicki, uh, due to the, on, a, on a more lighter note, because that's the only track he won more than once in the Cup Series. And and also he was part of the driver development program dedicated to Kuwiki. So, of course, of course, like it made sense for him to do a Polish victory lap. Yet the fans geared him for it. It's like, come on, guys, should know better. But yeah, yeah, I mean, the it's, problem it's... with the truck series, honestly, is the schedule structure. Kind of like how in the beginning of the year, the fans were booing because they didn't see Majeski do burnouts. When I just explained that Majeski's from Wisconsin, he's a former Alan Kuwiki right, driver right. driver. Now, I mean, to to the fans' credit, right? It's thirty years since Alan Kowicki's been gone, um, so you get a whole generation of people who probably have no idea what that Polish victory lap is. Oh, which is which is kind of sad in that, in a way because it is at it's, the end it's of the quite day, sad, yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, it's like you don't tear your equipment. It's like I get it. I get all sides. All sides was like the need of doing a burnout or do a Polish victory lap or just do or just simply park in the victory lane. It just depends on the discipline and depends on the driver, and of course the race teams because the only time you see IndyCar burnouts is on ovals and whoever wins the championship if if necessary. If necessary, is the burnout necessary sometimes? That's why I say if necessary, it depends on in the discretion of the team that they let them. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to say it's, you know, it's just, it's a silly little thing, but but it's something the fans enjoy. You know, yeah, it's, it's, and, and it's, I can it's something, if you, if you watch a lot of cup racing, those guys always do that, that burnout, spin around, jump on the, you know, jump on the roof of the car, run and grab the checkered flag. It's all, you know, it's all a little bit of a... a yeah, blow your tires awesome. out, rip out the... Uh... Defenders oh. that you've tweaked up and tricked, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah the or back, blow your engine, or backing into the wall, back into the wall. Yeah, make sure uh, <laughs> if we did anything funky, knock it back in place before post race inspection. Yep. So, <laughs> all yeah, right, it's just called tactics, and it was up to the team and driver. That's what, uh, yeah. To disregard the if necessary, it's like it's it's at the discretion of the team and driver what they do with it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but uh, okay. So that, that takes us to the end of our hour. So I want to thank you, uh, Richard. I want to thank you, Louise. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank iHeartRadio, Spreaker, uh, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. And I want to thank you folks for listening to us. Uh, until next week, good night.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 